Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com and Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. On today's show, we'll give you an update on how the crops are looking in the southeast portion of the province, as well as more reaction from the federal government's plan to cut fertilizer emissions by 30%. We'll also have a pair of sa- we'll also have a pair of Statistics Canada stories coming up. Hopefully I can speak better than that uh, for the rest of the show. Plus the farm weather, market, market update, and resource report, all in their usual sparts. Saskatchewan Agriculture starts right after this. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain. Your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection and brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your water well wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Harvest is well underway in the southeast region of Saskatchewan. Sherry Roberts is the Crops Extension Specialist for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture in Weyburn. We've been able to get rolling fairly well here. We did have a stop yesterday due to that rain that we ended up getting Sunday night, but the combines are back out in the fields again today. And what kind of crops are currently being combined? Oh, a lot of the rye has come off, a lot of the... uh, uh, peas, lentils, I've uh, actually seen a lot of canola going down in the swath, which surprises me, but it, they're, they're going at it. A lot of uh, airplanes are doing a lot of desiccating. I'm seeing this year a lot more of them than normal. Everything is uh, getting harvested right now, except the, the ones that aren't ready, like the beans, soybeans, and, and the corn. That's got a ways to go yet, the sunflowers. And how is the wheat looking like in your area? Well, down here in the southeast, we've had some problems with disease because, you know, we've we've had rain every week all summer long. I haven't even had to water my garden this year at Glen Avon because we've had so much rain. So we're having uh, to deal with ergot, uh, fusarium head blight, loose smut, common bunt, and uh, I've also been finding, unfortunately, bacterial leaf streak in quite a few cereal fields too down here. Will the wheat be swathed or straight cut this year? It all depends on producer equipment. You know, guys that, that uh, still have their, their swathers, some of them are out there busily, you know, going at it. But a lot of these guys, they're, they're combining it right out of the field. I'm seeing a lot of fields in the Fillmore area. that They've taken a lot of, of wheat off already. And I'm seeing grain bags also starting to show up. So that's a good sign. Have you had any reports on yields for the crops that are coming off? So far, I'm hearing cereals running between 80 and 90. At this point, they are a little bit, uh, the, the weight is coming in at, at 60 to 66 pounds per bushel, but the the uh, 
the yields are not quite because we're losing some to, to these diseases that we've had out here. Are grasshoppers a problem in the southeast? Yeah, I haven't been in the field yet where the grasshoppers haven't attacked me while I've been out <laughs> walking through the field. So they are definitely an issue this year. And uh, unless we get, you know, a real wet, cold fall and a real wet, cold spring, they're going to be an issue next year, too. So farmers really need to be planning ahead of uh, getting some grasshopper plans ahead of time of what they're going to do. They really need to be thinking on it because they are truly an issue down here in the southeast this year. Have most of the fields ripened or are they still green? Uh, the soybean fields that I've been in, they're still green. I was in one on Friday, a couple of them, and they were actually chest high and I'm 5'9". So there's some really nice looking bean fields out here. They were averaging between 30 and 40 pods a plant. So it's been a real good year for soybeans so far. If we can just hold off the frost, you know, we don't want that five-letter word showing up. But uh, they're looking good, and there's an awful lot of nice-looking corn out here, too, down here in the southeast. I haven't found any sunflower fields yet, but I know there's some down here. I'm sure they're looking just as good with the moisture that we've had this year. And is there anything else you would like to add? Uh, just, you know, as, as harvest gears up, be safe. You know, you realize realize your limits. Realize, you know, when fatigue starts to set in. And be safe because a, a crop's not worth your life, and it's not worth an accident. Just just be mindful. That was Sherry Roberts, a crop extension specialist for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eaves troughs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesTroughs.ca and Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton, and Strasburg. Statistics Canada is projecting a large wheat crop in an average canola crop. For his thoughts on the Stats Can report, we spoke to Ken Ball, a senior commodity futures advisor with PI Financial. Ball started off with canola. Yeah, 19.5 million tons. Everybody's thinking that for this report, because they were doing conditions as of July 31st, that it would come in in the ballpark of 20 million tons, which it did. I think there's some areas that yields have faded a little bit over the last month, uh, especially across the northern Canola Belt. There's three or four big, dry, warmer patches during August that probably lost a few bushels of yield. So the crop likely, I'm thinking, it could be a little bit lower than that, 18 and a half, 19 million tons. Just a good crop, not a bin buster, but a solid crop. The August heat, though, that would help uh, the crops that were seeded late to mature a little bit more quickly. Yeah, it would. I and mean, in the eastern prairies, the parts of eastern Saskatchewan and Manitoba, you know, the crops here, the canola, even though we had some areas flooded out in the spring, but... Uh, the canola crops have been getting rain two, three times a week all summer long and moderately warm weather, not too hot. And they were in flower for five, six, seven weeks. And there's going to be some big yields in Manitoba in some areas. But overall, I think the crop probably is down a bit from this number, but maybe not by a lot. Frost. We're not seeing any sign of it right now in, in the forecast. Uh, is the market still taking that into account a, a little bit, the possibility of frost hurting some of those later crops or, or the long-term weather forecast? forecast looking very promising the forecast look good but frost is a sneaky thing it can creep up on you and of course there's one area of canada that is a bit of a frost prone belt and it's down the east side of saskatchewan and the west side of manitoba that's an area where the crops are a bit late but the outlook maps right now show that the temperature should remain reasonably good at least past the middle of september it looks like and that should be enough probably to get us over the hump 
Ball is anticipating some harvest price pressure, particularly for the oil seeds. He continued his chat with Neil Bellinger. You know, we've been hanging up fairly high in canola, uh, you know, well above $800 a ton, and it's possible that that's, if the market is growingly confident that we've got at least maybe around a 19 million ton crop, in, you know, headed for the bins, in combination with the perception now that maybe the U.S. bean crop has come through August a good bit more solid than maybe they were thinking a week ago or so. Those two things together could mean that we could see some some harvest pressure uh, coming into September and October. I would think you might see some price pressures developing, specifically in the oil seeds. Hard to say. The, the corn market's got some other supportive factors behind it, and the wheat is up today, but it's it's there's an awful lot of wheat in the world. We've got a big wheat crop coming in in Canada. So overall, I think the chances are we're going to see some degree of, of harvest pressure going into September. On canola, will, will farmers be a little bit more uh, willing to hang on to it if they don't like the price at harvest? Well, the prices are still pretty darn good, but of course it depends on how basis levels go. Canola is very cheap. It's it's high price but cheap, and that sounds like a you know misnomer. But it, you know, relative to soy values, canola crush margins are extremely high, and uh, that might make growers a little bit uh, you know disgruntled, perhaps that they they feel they should be getting a better price, and they probably should. But I think commercials are quite convinced that there is going to be some downward pressure in prices that they don't have to push the market right now. So canola may stay fairly cheaply priced as it drifts lower into fall, but it's uh, at some point in time that high crush margin is going to attract more demand than this market might want. So those those crush margins are going to have to come down at some point, or else demand is going to be too strong. Anything for wheat uh, coming out of this report that uh, guys should be aware of? Well, not really. It's a good, solid Canadian crop, and we've known that I think all along that we had potential for some pretty solid yields. And the U.S. spring crop is also a very good crop. So that's likely to keep a bit of a lid on wheat prices, although we've got a nice rally going today. But also, you know, world supplies, despite all the gyrations and problems in, in the Black Sea region, world supplies are also still quite solid in total. So, And adding to that, we've got the potential now. Australia's wheat crop is still looking very good going into their spring. They might have their third monster crop in a row coming in this year. The wheat market, although we're having a nice rally today, I don't think the upside is very great, and growers should be ready to pounce on these little rallies at harvest time for some selling opportunities. And the U.S. crop, what's uh, its potential right now? Their winter wheat wasn't all that good of a crop this year, but their spring harvest is approaching half done now, and it's a good, solid crop with good yields coming in. You know, it's probably around 520 million bushels it might reach, which is well above last year, of course, the bad crop last year. But the combined two crops, the Canadian and U.S. crops, represent a really solid supply of wheat, which will, will likely keep the market somewhat limited. That was Ken Ball, a senior commodity futures advisor with PI Financial, and him chatting with Neil Billinger with CJWW. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. There is lots of excitement out in the marketplace about the potential for renewable diesel. We're hearing a lot about it, obviously, for the Real Agriculture audience that is growing canola. This is a big market opportunity. We've seen uh, a lot of planned expansion of domestic crush capacity and a lot of it based on 
what is happening in the renewable diesel market. And a lot of those eyes are on legislation and what's happening in California. But is there new legislation that possibly presents itself as a as a bit of a roadblock? Here to discuss that is Floyd Vergara. He is the Director of Public Affairs and Federal Communications at Clean Fuels Alliance America. Floyd, thanks for joining us. Hey, Sean. Uh, thanks for having me. Okay, so California is putting legislation in place to basically essentially ban gas-powered vehicles by 2035. So in terms of projected volumes and demand for renewable diesel, how, how much of a change here is there potentially down the road? Great question. Uh, again, uh, I'm with Clean Fuels Alliance America. So we work with, uh, we represent the supply chains for biodiesel, renewable diesel, and sustainable aviation uh, fuel. Um, our fuels operate uh, and power the um, vehicles and equipment that are in the hardest to decarbonize sectors. So that's uh, heavy duty on road, off road. Uh, marine, rail, and aviation. And this really is, you know, probably the question on the minds of all of your, most of your uh, listeners. How does this regulation on uh, cars last week uh, affect heavy-duty vehicles? And I would caution uh, your audience from reading too much into last week's um, actions by the Air Resources Board. Again, making that distinction between passenger cars and trucks and heavy-duty uh, on-road and off-road vehicles. Um, the the heavy-duty on-road and off-road vehicles subject to advanced clean trucks regulation will be um, subject to electrification on the new sales at a very gradual rate. And that regulation, advanced clean trucks, is focused on electrifying those applications that are more suitable to electrification. So these are your... Um, uh, you know, local, uh, predictable routes, fixed route, uh, return to base sort of applications. So that includes drayage trucks in the ports, um, waste haulers, and transit buses, you know, that have fixed routes. They're really not meant to, um, or they're not designed and they probably won't achieve significant electrification for many, many years in the um, long haul, long distance, sort of uh, heavy duty trucks in the class seven and class eight categories. So, and that's where, you know, biodiesel and renewable diesel um, provide the power that's needed by the, the freight transport industry. So, in terms of your question, what does it mean for renewable diesel and biodiesel? Uh, let me give you an example uh, just to show you. So, last year in California alone, um, those two fuels represented 1.23 billion gallons of, uh, of the diesel fuel market. Um, what's that in perspective? That's, uh, 33. So a fully a third of the diesel fuel market in California is made up of these renewable, um, you know, diesel and, and biodiesel. And, and that's, that's a growth rate of, you know, 80 plus fold since the start of the carbon pricing program in California, the low carbon fuel standard. So it started out with 11 million gallons, or sorry, 14 million gallons in 2011, grew all the way up to 1.23 billion gallons uh, last year. And then moving forward, looking ahead, the California Air Resources Board uh, recently did modeling for their scoping plan 
um, that indicates the need for at least 2.4 billion gallons, so a doubling of current levels um, of renewable diesel and biodiesel through 2030. So that gives you an idea of how much the state is projecting the need for these uh, petroleum diesel replacements to play a role in, in decarbonizing the California market. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather forecast is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina. Specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan, call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866 and Moose Jaw Truck Shop. The number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. There's currently a heat warning in effect. Today it's sunny with a high of 34, and tonight it's going to be clear with a low of 13. Tomorrow it's mainly sunny. The wind's going to be gusting to 60 in the afternoon with a high of 32 and a low of 10. Friday the temperature cools down a little bit to a high of 14. Sorry to a high of 24 with a low of 14. On Saturday, we're back up in the 30s to a high of 32. Sunday, a high of 31. The normal high for today is 21 degrees. The normal low is 6. Sunrise was at 6.11 this morning, and sunset is scheduled for 7.46 tonight. Around the province at this hour, in Estevan, it's 30 degrees. The hot spot in the province is currently Kindersley at 32 degrees. Moose Jaw, Swift Current, and Weyburn all sit at 31 degrees. Yorkton's at 30, and in Regina, it's 30 degrees. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalAuctions.com. And by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizers just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. Federal Ag Minister Marie-Claude Bebo is wrapping up a series of meetings to discuss the federal policy of reducing emissions from nitrogen fertilizers. The wrap also marks the final day to put forward a submission. But despite the discussion and the repeated clarification that the plan is about reducing emissions, not placing a cap on fertilizer use. Many groups aren't convinced the plan is focused solely on reducing emissions. Tom Steve, the general manager of Alberta Wheat and Barley, says they're sending in their submission about the policy. Well, I think it's fair to say that um, the government has been in uh, um, damage control mode on this uh, for a number of months um, because of the lack of clarity on um, what is going to be measured and how. And, um, you know, farm organizations have been working on this file for the better part of two years and trying to get answers from Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada on that very question. Um, it's one thing to uh, arbitrarily put out a 30% uh, target uh, by 2030, but um, how is that going to be achieved? What's going to be measured? And um, we don't have, we still don't have clarity on that. And, um, you know, we're encouraged by comments from 
ministers of the government, both uh, Minister Bebo and Minister Freeland more recently, um, that it's not about putting a cap on fertilizer use. But what is it? Um, because in order to achieve a 30% reduction in fertilizer emissions uh, by 2030, so that gives us uh, seven growing seasons to achieve that goal, what measures would have to be put in place? And in our view, uh, it would be inevitable that you would have to um, implement some sort of reduction in fertilizer use to achieve that aggressive of, of a target. That's Tom Steve, the general manager of Alberta Wheat. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market in Arcola Building Supplies. Small town lumberyard, big on service, arcolabuildingsupplies.com. By 2026, Statistics Canada may stop asking producers about their seeding intentions and how many people they employ and other questions about their on-farm activities. Stats Canada said that they will continue to publish data on crops, livestock and the adoption of new technology so the ag industry knows what's happening on Canadian farms, but the agency is looking at moving away from traditional surveys to gather information to reduce the burden on farmers. The Stats Can effort to replace surveys is known as Ag Zero, a project that began back in 2019. The basic idea is to use alternative sources of data and new technologies to reduce the response burden on farmers to as close to zero as possible by 2026. For the last six years, Stats Can has used satellite imagery, weather data, and crop insurance data for its field crop reporting series, which estimates the yield, acreage, and production of Canadian crops. The market updates on the source. 620 CKRM. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace Gritner. Your market update is brought to you by Freeze Talman. Get everything you need to finish your projects before fall from Freeze Talman in Regina and Fort Capel. Looking at the latest quotes, Durham at 40862 Feed Barley, 27787 Canola, 29152 Chickpeas, 925.95 Flax, 627 67 lentils 704.50 oats 259.53 yellow peas 231.13 feed wheat 289.56 and one red spring wheat at 383.31 it's the livestock reports on the source 620 ckrm the livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn at 842-4574. Now, here are the latest livestock quotes. For the week of August 30th, our last regular sale was on August 17th. Cows and bulls have been selling well. D1 and D2 cows sold from $1.03 to $1.18. D3 cows sold from $0.90 cents to $1.03. Canner cows sold from $0.50 cents to $0.70. Cents. Hefferette sold from $1.32 to $1.51. And Good Butcher sold from $1.25 to $1.45. We had a pre-sorted sale, yearling sale here on August 15th. 550 to 600 pound steers averaged $2.37 and sold up to $2.45. 
600 to 650 pound steers averaged $2.41 and sold at the $2.45. 650 to 700 pound steers averaged $2.46 and sold at the $2.58. 700 to 800 pound steers averaged $2.39 and sold at the $2.58. 800 to 900 pound steers averaged $2.26 and sold at the $2.38. Steers over 900 pounds averaged $2.09 and sold at the $2.30. Heifers were 15 to 20 cents back from the steers. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. Coming up next, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Sitting in for Jim Smalley, here's Tanner Wallace-Gribner. Now the Resource Report brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit secondlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid and Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. With inflation running high, many Canadians are under a growing financial strain. Canada's inflation rate slowed last month as gas prices drop, but the cost of food, rent, and other essentials continue to rise. Canadian press reporter Brett Bundale talked with people across the country at different stages of their life to see where they're being hit the hardest. It's a feeling many Canadians are having these days, sticker shock at the grocery store. Food costs were up 9.9% in July compared with a year ago. Myron Genick of Mississauga, Ontario says the grocery bill for his family of five has skyrocketed. Not only have food costs gone up, but our children are also getting older. Our oldest is now 13 and he eats a lot. So we have bigger appetites in our house um, and also the the price of food has gone up. So we've seen a pretty big increase in our grocery bill. University and college students are also being squeezed by inflation. Some are having to make tough choices and even forgo the basics. Hannah Sullivan-Facknitz, a graduate student at the University of British Columbia, says they're surviving by the skin of their teeth, despite having a job that pays well. I got a new job in January that was no longer a student job and I was making like a real salary, but um, my grocery bills are higher and my medications are more expensive and I can't buy my books anymore. I can't, um, I can't buy cleaning supplies. I didn't do laundry for two weeks because I couldn't afford to buy laundry detergent. I'm simply out of money. Young workers are also feeling the financial toll of higher prices. 28-year-old Afua Deborah of Toronto says she's overwhelmed by the cost of living in Canada's biggest city. I can speak for a lot of younger millennials or like older Gen Z. Is like we all went to school and you got a full-time job with the intention of saving some money to put down on a down payment for a house. And now we're just watching that slip away because a lot of us for rent are paying more than, say, our parents paid for their mortgage on their house. Personal finance expert Danica Nelson says a big part of the problem is the cost of living is rising much faster than incomes. Most people's wages are not keeping up with the pace of inflation. It just costs significantly more to simply exist. Historic price increases 
increases have left some Canadians rethinking retirement. Elena Jera with insolvency firm Bromwich & Smith says some workers near the end of their career are questioning whether they can even afford to stop working. Many, many are concerned that they're not going to be able to retire. And even if they do retire, they still might need to get a part-time job. She says part of the challenge facing older workers is that sometimes both adult children and aging parents rely on them for support. And those costs have gone up too. There's so many intergenerational um, situations involved in there. They're caught and right in between. They're either they're helping their parents or they're helping their children. This is like a sandwich generation. Inflation is also hurting older Canadians. Some seniors say they're staying home more to save money. It's a situation that could put them at risk of social isolation. 69-year-old Azim Jiraj from Sherwood Park, Alberta, says he and his wife have changed many of their social activities to cut back on spending. We have changed quite a bit of our social activities. Going out is a lot less. Entertaining at home is more. But... Also, instead of going to the gym now, I've joined a senior's bicycle group. While people from all walks of life are being affected by price increases, Scotiabank's Rebecca Young says it's low-income Canadians being hit hardest. The biggest filter that we think about when we think about, you know, who's hurting most is the income. Low-income households, for example, and namely because... They spend, you know, half their um, disposable income on what we call essentials. Some relief from runaway costs may be in sight. Experts say inflation in Canada may have peaked, but still, high prices are expected to stick around for a while longer. For the Canadian Press, I'm Brett Bundale in Halifax. On the markets, the TSX is down 108 points. The Dow Jones is down 102. Oil is down $1.46 to be trading at $90.18 per barrel. And the Canadian dollar is down 14 one-hundredths of a cent to be trading at $76.23 U.S. That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune into the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. I've been Tanner Wallace-Scribner. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.